Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, everyone. My guest today is television personality, podcaster, and former Playboy model, Bridget Marquardt. Bridget and I talk about everything from first loves to Hugh Hefner's bedroom, Bridget's high school experience, the A&E Playboy documentary, Bridget's podcast, Ghost Magnet, and a lot more. First to call in today is Emma, who, after being roommates with a guy for two years, realized she was starting to crush on him. Now Emma wonders if he might be feeling the same way and wonders how to broach the subject. Next, we hear from Renee, who feels that she and her husband have different priorities and that she is alone in raising their two kids. Efforts to communicate only lead to arguing, leaving Renee to wonder if their problems are even worth solving. Thank you for listening to Unqualified. If you would like some unqualified advice from me and my co-hosts, please look for the link in our show notes. Ladies and gentlemen, you are listening to Unqualified with your host, Anna Ferris. Hello. Oh, Bridget. I am so excited to be talking with you. So for our listeners that maybe don't know or maybe they don't remember, Bridget and I were in the house bunny together and I just adored you. Oh, thank you. So much. You were so sweet to me. Everybody was. I think we shot the stuff at the mansion almost up front. I think that was our first like week and a half of shooting. And then I think we returned at some point. But I was so impressed and like moved by how you had a bunch of like the most gorgeous women in the world. We're all gorgeous. But all the sort of glamour and everyone just truly seemed to care about each other. Mm -hmm. Maybe it's also age too. I just didn't feel as competitive with other women as I felt for so long which maybe was in part because I didn't have a large group of girlfriends. Maybe it was also because I'm in an industry where anybody who looks like you is competing for your same job. <laughs> right. But what are your thoughts as you reflect on those days? Was I correct? Was my impression? Yes and no. It kind of depends on when you're there and what's going on and kind of where you are in things. So Holly and I just got done talking about on our podcast that there was this whole era of like really mean girls. And it was horrible. And it was constantly competitive and constantly catty and constantly backstabbing and have had to be aware of it and didn't do anything about it. And if you ask Holly, was possibly even stirring the pot and like enjoyed it. Was it one singular person? No. There were like a few different leaders. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So there was like one side that was like... 
I don't know. I say we were there for the right reasons because we truly cared about Hef. We liked the schedule. We loved Playboy. We loved, you know, doing all of that stuff. And then there's these girls that were there for materialistic things and opportunities and dating on the side and like couldn't stand Hef. If you gave him a kiss, they'd be like, bleh, 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 and like act like they were throwing up behind his back and things like that. So there was that going on. But then once we got, I think we got rid of those girls. <laughs> yeah, Bridget. It felt so good. It felt so good. But then I felt like things really changed and we really got along and we were so excited for the playmates. We became really good friends with them. We were supportive of each other. The playmates were supportive of us and we were supportive of them. And it was like we couldn't wait to like have events and parties and invite the playmates that we love the most to come and stay at the house for a pumpkin hiring party or Midsummer's is coming up. And that was like one of the biggest parties of the year. Like, who's going to come and stay and let's go costume shopping? Like, we loved it. And they would come and we would take them out to lunch and we'd go do stuff. So it really changed everything. And the mansion became so fun. And it became like a true sorority of friends and strong female bonds. How comfortable do you feel about any critique of the franchise now? Well, the A&E documentary that recently came out was really scathing towards Hef and the mansion life and everything. And I cannot discredit any of those claims. I mean, I was not there when those were happening. It was a different time. So, I mean, I believe that those things happened to those women and I feel awful about it. I also did the documentary and I told them that my experience wasn't the same as those people. Like, I believe that they had those experiences but mine was pretty positive. So I don't think I fit the narrative of your documentary. And they were like, oh, no, we're trying to get all perspectives. We want everybody to come on. But I was there from like eight in the morning to like eight at night. And they only used like a couple of little snippets of my interview and only things that corroborated Holly's stories, which is fine because those things happened and everything. But they left out all of my positive stories as well. So as much as I believe everything that happened, I still feel like it was very one-sided. I started watching it, but I can't really say I've seen it. I haven't seen it either. You haven't? Oh, okay. okay. I've only gotten like information sent back to me. I did not want to watch it. My memory, I mean, we were just there filming, but it felt really fun. I mean, Holly took me into Hef's bedroom. Yeah. And that was surreal, to yes. say the least. <laughs> like... Stacks of newspapers and photos and tons of magazines, I want to say. Not Playboy, necessarily. And then, like, a lot of knick-knacky stuff. A massive chandelier with, like, 2,000 thongs dangling <laughs> from it. And Holly asked if I wanted to sit on the bed. I said, okay. I mean, I don't think I said a word the whole time. I mean, what do you say? And it, like those 70s buttons, like paneling. Uh-huh. But then like all the silk robes that were like in a rainbow assortment. I feel like there was a bird. I don't know. <laughs> Wait, I'm trying to think, was there a bird? I think there was a bird at one time. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to remember the bird. But I mean, I feel like I was either with you guys or we went in another time. I thought we were filming too. It wasn't for the movie. It was for like a press thing or something, right? Something like that. Yeah. And I just remember Holly's dogs. Like we had to contain the dogs because <laughs> they bark like crazy and they try to escape the second you open the door. So I remember it was a thing and we had to do it a couple of times and we're like, oh God, the dogs. <laughs> 
<laughs> yes. And then, yeah, you're right. There's stacks and stacks of things. Mostly what they are is videotapes. And they're the bigger ones. I don't know if that's beta or what that is, but like bigger, giant ones. And they were just stacked, like hundreds of them. And then nobody knows what to get Hef, so they get him pictures. And so he has tons and tons and tons of framed photos and stuff like that that are all just stacked against the wall because there's nowhere to put all of these photos (laughs) that people give him or artwork that people give him. And then the other thing that people like to get, Hef, is stuffed animals. So he has this couch (laughs) that I've never actually really seen because it's covered. (gasps) I mean, covered every inch in stuffed animals. And then you're right, there's the chandelier with all the panties hanging from it. And then, yeah, the satin pajamas in every color and then there's flannel in pink and blue pink were for us blue is for him and slippers <laughs> yes it was amazing and then I remember your bedroom a little bit I think I just like walked past it and I think you were in there or something. well my bedroom was the exact set pretty much of Shelly's bedroom on the show yes yeah. Because they came in and took pictures of my room and then, like, used it. I think that you were a heavy influence for Shelly. <laughs> Just, like... I, I think so. <laughs> <laughs> but, and I'm really grateful. That was such an incredible filming experience for me. The whole thing, from beginning to end, it was just amazing for me. I felt every day so lucky. And I loved playing a character with such an incredible heart. Yeah. I do remember one kind of scary moment. On the second floor past your bedroom, there was this really long hallway. And I had to go find, I think it was Mary. Mary O'Connor, yes. Yeah. It's like going to the principal's office. (laughs) Mary was in charge. Like, you knew the rules with Mary around. 100%. And yeah, I was tentative about bringing her up to you because I don't know if she had like this total grandmothery side that I didn't know about. So Mary and I were friends before I even started coming up to the mansion. I met Mary before that. I mean, I had been up to the mansion at a party and I met one of Hess's friends and he introduced me to Mary. And so I was going to Mary's house and playing cards with her and Captain Bob, who was her partner, before I was even like a regular at the mansion or any of that kind of stuff. And then that friendship just grew while I was at the mansion. And I knew that I could always go and talk to Mary about pretty much anything. And I would. I would go into her and cry to her. Or like if something amazing happened, I'd go and be like, you're not going to believe it. Like everything went with Mary. She was like the mom at the house. So you're married now. Is that right? I'm engaged. I mean, we've been together for 14 years, though. So we sometimes just say we're married. (laughs) Will you tell us about your first real heartbreak? Mine happened around 17 or 18. Yeah, mine about the same, too. It was not my first love, and I say that in quotes, but he was probably my first real boyfriend. He was a lot older than me. There's a pattern there. (laughs) And I was so in love with him. And looking back on it, it's just so ridiculous. Like, I think he was cheating on me every day, probably. And it was just not a good, healthy thing for me. But I was, like, so in love. How much older was he? About five or six years Did you find him, like, ever patronizing? Oh, yeah, 100%. But I didn't think of it that way then. How did you absorb it? I just thought that was normal, like, you know. Well, what was your dad like? And I'm not trying to find a comparison. 
My real dad was not in the picture too much in most of my early life. We're close now, but he wasn't around. So my mom remarried when I was like nine, and it was my stepdad from that point on. Did you feel close to him? Yeah, but it took a while. Like, I was not real accepting. Like, I was old enough to be like, this is not my dad. And he was really pushing us to call him dad. And it was not setting well with me at all. And then I was ripped out of my school and put into a different school and moved out to the country way away from all my friends. It was just like a (sighs) traumatic time in my life. That is a lot. Yeah. Knew everything and no friends. And being way out, like where I grew up was in town. Like I could ride my bike to everyone's house. I could walk to people's houses, even family members and stuff. But then we moved way out into the country. In California? Yeah. Now I look at it and think, oh, it wasn't that far. But it's far when you don't have a car and when your transportation is your bike and your feet, you know. And you don't have any friends. Yeah, had to start all over. How did that go? That must have been really lonely. It was. It was very lonely. And I was, like, fighting it tooth and nail. Like, I remember I used to go to my grandmother's house to visit for, like, I don't know, maybe a week or two in the summertime. And I remember when my parents came to get me, I was, like, freaking out, like, having a tantrum over going back and changing schools and stuff. Like, I didn't even want to leave my grandmother's house. How was high school? Uh, high school was okay and not okay at the same time. My first two years were pretty good. I had a lot of friends and everything was happy. And then my best friend moved away and it just felt like the whole world kind of changed. And I felt like when I was about to go back for my junior year, everything had changed and I didn't have any friends and I didn't like the school anymore. And so I transferred back to where I used to be from, which is only like 20 minutes away thinking that I might be able to, like, hang out with my old friends again and, you know, rekindle all those old friendships and stuff. And that did not work out at all. Like, now I'm, like, the weird country girl that they don't even remember being friends with. Oh, and you had, like, romanticized them the whole time. You're like, if only I was there. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Well, luckily, I had cousins that went to that school. And at that point, I was just like, you know what? I hate high school. I'm going to just do everything I can to get out as fast as possible. So I would take extra classes and I would do things like I signed up to be a science camp counselor. I don't know if they have that everywhere, but here we have a week-long science camp. Oh my God, I bet you were the best camp counselor ever. (laughs) Yeah, so then I went and I did that. You get extra credits towards graduation. I took summer classes to hurry up and finish like things you have to take your senior year. You were ready to get out. Oh, I was ready. And then I was like the majorette, which puts you in honor band, which gives you extra credits <laughs> because it's like an honor class. And so I was like, yes, ching, that's ching, ingenuity. On all of these extra units so I can graduate. And then I was done. It was like the first quarter of my senior year and I was done with everything, all the requirements. So are you like 17? I had just turned 17. And I was like, I want to go to college right now. And they wouldn't let me start unless I got signed off by the principal at the school. And he didn't want to sign it off. But I was like begging, begging, begging. Finally, he signed off and I got to go. I couldn't go to a four-year while I was still technically in high school. But they signed off and I started junior college and I was so much happier. Good. Good for you. Yeah. That is like an awesome amount of drive. And then is that when you met the 25 year or 24 year old? No, that was while I was still in high school. I was 16 when I met him. And I think he was 22. 
or so, something like uh-huh. that. 22, I think. And it was just crazy. He was a big partier, too. So there was like a lot of that going on. And I mean, I'm only 16, so I can't even, you know, handle alcohol. But he had that independence. He had a car. <laughs> he was like part of your journey of like, I'm just getting out. Yeah, totally. <laughs> so then how did the breakup go with him? Horrible. Like, of course, I'm traumatized and crying. Did he break up with you or did you break up with him? It was back and forth a million times. Like, we yep. probably broke up, I don't know how many times. I call that the half-life. <laughs> yeah. Eventually, it's finally the last time, but you never mm-hmm. know when it's the last time. You have to be so worn down <laughs> and exhausted. <laughs> to where you literally don't care anymore. You're like, I seriously can't do this anymore. (laughs) But I think starting college and opening my eyes to like a whole new group of people and having different priorities and stuff helped too. Did he ever reappear? Yes. Of course he did. Yes. A couple of times. There's a weird story to this too. Somebody said, oh, I talked to him the other day and he was asking about you. And this is years, years after. And I was like, oh, really? And they gave me his phone number on a little piece of paper. This was before cell phones and stuff. And I had it in my purse. Then I went Christmas shopping with my mom and my aunt and I lost my purse in Macy's. Totally left it like sitting on a counter somewhere, freaking out, calling Macy's, trying to find my purse. Nobody's seen it. Then I get a call from him. And he was like, hey. And I was like, what is happening right now? And he's like, did you leave your purse in Macy's? And I'm thinking, what is going on right now? And he said, because I guess my phone number was in your purse and they found it. (laughs) And I was like, oh my God, yay, my purse is found. (laughs) Did you totally think, because my brain, of course, went to like, holy shit, he was stalking you. I did not think he would do that. Okay. He just did not seem like the type of guy that even cared enough to ever do that. I'm with you. My first boyfriend was the same way. (laughs) (laughs) And then we did get back together for a minute. You did? Yeah, we started talking again and stuff, but it was very short-lived. And then when Girls Next Door came out, I got an email from him and he was getting married. Getting married and he emails you? He emailed me. Yeah. I mean, to be fair, it was just like, friendly, like, hey, congratulations on everything that's going on. Guess what? I'm getting oh, married, okay. you know. Why do I keep wanting to assume the worst of this guy? <laughs> no, I'm well, sorry. you can. <laughs> but yeah. And then I heard from him even again after I left the mansion. He's like, hey, I'm divorced. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And I was doing an appearance back home somewhere with my costume line and all that stuff. And he was like, hey, my girlfriend is a big, his new girlfriend is a big fan. And I was like, cool. And he's like, she wants to meet you while you're in town. I was like, great. I'm at this appearance tonight. You guys can come. And he was like, no, I mean, like, do you want to get together for coffee or something? I was like, nope. (laughs) No, I don't. No, nope. (laughs) And like, they changed my name at the hotel and everything just in case anybody was like trying to find me, aka him. (laughs) Bridget, do you have any, I don't know, uh, general advice that everyone would benefit from? (laughs) I feel like that is a tough one. I know. My advice is be true to yourself. If you are enjoying yourself and what you're doing and what you're up to and who you're with, then I feel like everything is smoother. I think you just have to like pay attention to your own cues. If you're unhappy, there's a reason behind that. Maybe it's something you have to work on or maybe it's something in the relationship. But I think that the key is you being happy because that will make everything better 
And if it's something with the relationship, that will show because you will know it's not you because you're happy with yourself and that it has to be something that's going on with the relationship. Maybe it's the two of you together. I'm not saying it's all his fault or her fault, but maybe it's something that just doesn't connect with the two of you for reasons. And maybe counseling will solve that or maybe just talking it through on your own if you're realizing there's a problem. But I feel like as long as you're happy with yourself and where you're going and what you're doing, then you'll know where the problems lie. I think that's great advice. And it might just be a matter of having a conversation with somebody. They might not realize. Something I've been hearing people talk about a lot is their love language. Mm -hmm. Do you talk about that ever on this show? I understand the concept. And I like the idea of being able to think about how we show love. How do you think you show love? See, my fiance and I have very different ways. He's very affectionate and always telling me he loves me and stuff like that. And I'm not that way. Like, i more like, let's just have fun. Let's laugh together and hang out together. But I don't have to be, like, cuddly and super affectionate or even saying it all the time. And he's a Scorpio, and he's very passionate <laughs> and very touchy and stuff. He's like a puppy. It just needs lots of attention. Yeah. And so I feel like we're always trying to, like, figure out how, like, he can't smother me, but I have to find a way where I have to give him enough attention, too, where he still knows that he's loved. And it's every day you are trying to figure that out. Like, it's not something you just go, okay, I've got this, and I'm just going to do it like this. It's like every day is different because every day your schedule is different. You're thinking about other things or you're not, and it's a down day and you have lots of time to spend with each other or whatever. And so, like, every day is a little bit different. And so I think each day you're still learning. I think that's so beautiful and important to remember that it makes it interesting if it's still a work in progress, I guess. That's just being mindful of what the other person needs and also being mindful of what you need and being able to give them what they need, but also tell them what you need or don't need right now, you know, depending on what's going on. You're right. I've been realizing that I am really emphatic And it can come across as though I'm angry. And it's totally the theater actor in me. And I think growing up, I was really, really short. That was my identity. And I was really quiet, but I was dying to be heard, you know? Yeah. (laughs) And, you know, my husband, we have three kids between us. I think sometimes I have to remember that... Because I'll see people like, are you are you mad? I'm like, no, no, I'm not mad. <laughs> I just got to get this point across to you guys. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, I have some work to do because anger isn't an emotion that I feel very frequently. I feel lucky for that, you know? Yeah. Are you the same way? Unless you're in the car with me. <laughs> I was going to use like, I don't really much road rage. I'm a waver. Oh, I no. wave all the time. I'll be like, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you just cut me off. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You. <laughs> imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. 
LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, Emma. Hi. 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 How are you? I'm good. You? Great. Great. You're here with Bridget, who is so lovely. Emma, thank you for your letter. Will you tell us what's going on? Yeah. So essentially, I moved into this place about two years ago. It was during the pandemic. And this guy who I briefly actually knew back when I was a teenager, I always thought he was attractive, but I never really thought too much about it. And then last year, around this time that I had like a health scare, I just found that he was like super supportive. He's just been so sweet, so friendly. And then just feelings started to develop. I know, Emma, you can't stop smiling. I love this. Oh, okay. <laughs> I love it. Oh, God. <laughs> um, yeah, like I've seen him around my niece and my nephew. And I never, ever have ever looked at a guy and been like, oh, he'd be like a great dad or anything like that. But when I see him with my niece and nephew, I'm like, no, he would be a good dad. Like, this would be great. <laughs> he just like fits in with my family. He recently just met one of my brothers. They get on great. Like there's moments where I just feel like we look at each other a bit longer than I would with my friends, you know, straight looking each other in the eyes. What is stopping you guys? I don't know. <laughs> okay, Emma. So in your letter, you mentioned that he's your housemate. Yeah. And how long has he been your housemate? Since I moved in, I think it was June of 2020. So for a little bit. Yeah. But it's really ramped up lately. Is that right? That's what I feel like. Yeah, that we've just grown closer, especially within this last year. But no moves have been made yet. No, like I know he's an awkward fella, but I just can't tell if he fancies me, if that makes any sense. Bridget. <laughs> I need advice. I don't know if he does or not. Well, I feel like there's one thing that's very clear. Uh -huh. You totally caught the bug. <laughs> like you are so smitten. You're glowing. You can't stop smiling. <laughs> so there's definitely legitimate feelings there. But the question is, are they reciprocated? Yeah. And I don't know. Like he's really sweet. Like sometimes he'll just leave gifts. Like let's say I had a bad day at work. I remember a while ago, he just got a bar of chocolate. He left it on my bed and it was like break open in case of emergency, Aww. like emotional emergency. That's so sweet. He is so considerate. <laughs> he really is. But like, he's like that with everybody. So I just can't tell if there's something else with me. Like yesterday he had his arm draped over the couch and like I was right next to him. And then I noticed it and I feel like he took it away then. And I was like, oh no, did he not want me to view it that way? I don't know. It would be so much easier, in a sense, if you guys had just moved in together, like if it was yeah. three months ago. And the risk is, I suppose, if you tell him your feelings, which I want us to attempt to help you out with this, because I think this definitely yeah. needs to happen here. <laughs> <laughs> but <laughs> the risk, of course, is that he doesn't feel the same way and then potentially things could be awkward. But we have solutions, I think, to all these things. 
Okay. So how would you feel about saying to him, I really like you. I just think you're wonderful. How would you feel about saying something like that? It's genuinely probably the scariest thing to me. I've okay. never made the first move with yeah. a fella ever. I was thinking that too when she said that. I was thinking, I wouldn't even want to do that. I'm so scared for you. <laughs> That's kind of how things went with my husband. You know what? I would probably write it out. I would maybe write him a note and then leave for the weekend <laughs> or at least the day. You don't even have to like say the full of your feelings because you don't want to scare him. Yeah. But maybe just like, you know, I just feel like you're so considerate. Like talk about the good things that you see in him and that you feel like you're starting to get feelings and you just kind of wanted to gauge where he's at with all of that in a way, like just sort of bracing it like a little bit. Yeah. I want to give you another idea as well. Okay. They're very timing dependent. Okay. Do you two spend a lot of time alone together? Like just the two of you, like watching a movie or eating dinner? Yeah. Actually, we very recently watched Just Friends together. <laughs> and there's no like subcontext there or anything. We were just looking for something funny to watch. And we were like, we both love this film. <laughs> I loved being in that movie so much. Yes. I have my guitar right behind <laughs> me. <laughs> but okay, so this is great. So he goes out of his way to like spend time with you. I think so. Like he puts on a lot of music that he loves and he shares all these things he does love with me that he doesn't get to talk about with his other friends. And I love that. I love seeing his eyes light up and just get so passionate about something. So we can talk for like hours or whatever, just hang out, just the two of us. What if you said, and it doesn't have to be this exact phrase, but what if you said to him, if you find yourself alone, I just think you're wonderful. That, yeah, that sounds doable. <laughs> I mean, I know you say that he's considerate and kind to everybody, but all signs are pointing to him really liking you. We got a new housemate recently, and I think that's what's putting me on my nerves because it's another girl. Like, I was the only girl in the house before. And I'm like, oh, God, what if he fancies her? But like her first day she moved in, she walked in on us in the living room. He was showing me a tattoo really high up on his thigh and I was there touching it. And she was like, oh, I, was like, I don't know if he should be letting me touch him there. If it's just friends, I don't know. He might be worried about the same things you are. Yeah. Because like I said, it's different now that you guys have known each other for a long time. Yeah. Bridget's idea of writing a note is like totally valid too. If he is going to see his family or if he's going away for a weekend, maybe you can slip a little note in just maybe you say like, I'll miss you. Yeah. Well, I'll be very dependent on where you guys are when the moment feels right. But then it's just like jumping off of a high dive. Okay. And I really don't think it has to be too much at all. Okay. It can just be really, really simple. And if at first, if he doesn't kind of know what to make of it, it doesn't mean that it's not reciprocated. This is like the stuff of great rom-coms. <laughs> yeah. I just wanted to add that if for some reason he doesn't feel the same way, you shouldn't feel bad. And in fact, you should be happy that you at least brought it up because then you can move on too. Yeah. Instead of just wondering and being in this limbo place and not knowing. And the great news is that you are attracted to somebody who's really healthy, who's really good for you. And that's new. <laughs> Me too. I hear you. <laughs> it's really wonderful that you are drawn to that, mm. to somebody who makes you feel good, somebody who's considerate. Oh, God. 
It's scary. Oh, so excited. Does everybody in your life know? Yeah, essentially. And like our other housemate doesn't know, but I feel like there's times he looks at us and just a funny look. And he's been friends with that guy since they were kids. So I'm like, sometimes I wonder if he's chatted to him about me, but I'm not sure. This adds a different dynamic. Yeah. But we did used to live with him and his girlfriend. Okay. And do you like him a lot? Yeah. Yeah. He's easy to get on with. Okay. All right. Good. Would you talk to him about it? I don't know if he would then speak to him. Yeah. And then it's out there and it's scary. Yeah. Right. Out there. Would that be a good thing to do? Maybe chat one of his friends. Here was my concern, actually, when you mentioned him, is that if they're really close, if the friend would ever be discouraging, like you would be taking him away. That's why I kind of want him as an ally. Okay. He'll feel kind of privileged. Okay. What do you think? Yeah, I could give that a go. But if you do end up talking with him instead of writing, try to hold eye contact for as long as you can. I think I could do this. What do you guys think about and a touch? Nothing like yeah. sexual, but just yes. like maybe a touch on the hand <laughs> or a touch on the knee. Yeah. When you say yeah. it. Yeah. For some reason, I was envisioning them washing dishes. <laughs> And the hand touch. (laughs) This is a movie scene. I know. (laughs) It's a full-on (laughs) rom-com. Bridget, do you have any more advice for Emma? No, I like the note idea because it lets you say what you want to say and how you want to say it without feeling like Mm -hmm. you're on the spot and now you can't remember what you want to say because that always happens to me. Oh, yeah. And then it also gives him a chance to respond when he's ready to respond and how he wants to respond, whether it's to come home and give you a big hug and kiss or just write back or just be like, I'm going to pretend I didn't see that because that's not how I feel or anywhere along those lines too. Yeah. And you can say as much or as little in the note as you want. You know, you can just say, I don't know how you feel or what you're thinking, but I just think you're an amazing guy and I think you're wonderful and I love the way you played with my nephews. Like, kind of the stuff you told us. Like, I like seeing your eyes light up when you are learning new things or showing me the things that you love. And I just feel like without even saying I'm in love with you— It shows through just saying the stuff that you like about him and how he makes you feel. Yeah. All right, Emma. Good luck. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. (laughs) Have a good day. Thank Thank you. Thank you. Bye, Emma. Bye. Oh, my gosh. She was so sweet. So cute. It totally sounded like he likes her, right? You know, I'm not sure. Unless you're like, know the person, I can't. I know. I can't tell. But he was doing things that a lot of guys would not normally do for anybody. Right. Definitely was doing that. The arm thing could be taken several different ways. It could be taken that he thought maybe she was opposed to his arm being there Mm -hmm. and too forward. Or it could have been like, oh, I didn't mean it like that. I know. So it's really hard to say without knowing them and seeing it firsthand what the dynamic is. Well, Bridget, I guess you're the pessimist of us. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I worry, too, because she says she's never seen him with a girl. That's true. And in the letter that she wrote, it also said that they try to ask him, like, what he likes and his preferences, even a celebrity crush and stuff, and he has no answers for them. He gives them nothing. Because he likes her. Maybe. (laughs) Maybe. Bridget, will you tell us about Ghost Magnet? 
Yeah. So Ghost Magnet is a podcast I started about, I think it's been almost four years ago now. And when I was living at the Playboy Mansion, I had a radio show on Playboy Radio, Sirius XM, called The Bridget and Wednesday Friday Show. And it was my dog and I. She's a great co-host. <laughs> and I would do a radio show every Friday live, and I loved it so much. And while I was at the mansion, I wanted to do a podcast, and I just never did it. In fact, I got a whole bunch of equipment, including this microphone, while I was still at the mansion intending to do a podcast. Didn't do it for the longest time. And finally, about four years ago, a friend of mine, I was having lunch with him, and he was like, you know, you really should do that podcast. Like, you're good at radio. You're good at hosting. Like, you should do that. And I was like, I would love to. And I would love to do it about ghosts. So he got me in touch with a friend who worked with radio hosts and that kind of thing. We got it going. And I've been doing it ever since. And I talked to different people in the field, authors who have written books, People who do the ghost tours at certain locations or for certain cities, people on TV shows, paranormal investigators on shows, parapsychologists, doctors who study like near-death experiences and reincarnation. Like I just have all kinds of different people and experts on the show, and I'm fascinated by their stories. Have you always believed in the supernatural? Ever since I was really young, but my first big experience, which I cannot explain away, was when I was 12 after playing with the Ouija board, and it completely changed everything the way I thought about, I mean, I always believed in ghosts, and I always loved that whole genre, but after having something like that happen, you know that there's something more, like there's no way you can explain it any other way, and so my fascination began then. And it happened to my cousin and I, and my cousin kind of went the opposite way. She turned super religious. She doesn't want anything to do with ghost stories or any of that kind of stuff. She's like so scared still to this day. Like two weeks ago, I was shooting at the Winchester Mystery House, and I invited my whole family to come and kind of see me film there after hours and stuff like that. And she was so scared that she was like, I don't want to hear the ghost stories. She was fine doing the tour, but she left. Everybody else stayed, and she's like, I'm not doing that. Like, I don't even want to hear this stuff. Wow. Yeah. And I went the other direction. Like, I'm fascinated and I need to know more and I need to hear other people's stories. Not that I feel like I'm ever going to solve this in my lifetime or that anybody will, but just trying to, trying to get all the information, trying to get to the bottom of it, trying to explain things that are at this point unexplainable. I love it. I'm fascinated with it. And what do you say to people who might be, I don't know, more skeptical? Well, you know what? Every investigator or paranormal enthusiast needs to have some sort of skepticism. You can't just believe everything is paranormal. Like, oh, I just heard something behind me. Must have been a ghost. Like, no, a book fell over and it fell over on its own because it wasn't sitting upright. So you have to have some sort of skepticism and you have to look at everything as scientifically as possible. A lot of scientists don't back paranormal studies, and so it's hard to get real tests going, but there are some out there, and a lot of it's just trial and error, too. Like, there's all kinds of equipment that we call scientific and stuff, and it's trial and error. You can't say something doesn't work until you at least try it. Well, I know that a lot of people have had, whether it's, like, really moving experiences or really terrifying experiences— that they feel like they can't explain away. And so I'm really glad that there's like this community of like, well, what do I do with this like experience with that people don't really believe, but I felt it and it feels very real to me. Where do I go? Mm-hmm. You go to Ghost Magnet. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, come tell me your story. I want to hear it. Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes. Flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. 
Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rust-Oleum. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hi, Renee. Hi, how are you? Oh, we're wonderful. I'm here with Bridget. We're having like reunion talk. It's been <laughs> awesome. I was so excited to see that she was on. I used to watch The Girls Next Door all the time. Oh, thank you so much. <laughs> so my question is about relationships. My husband and I have been together for 10 years and we've got two kids. And I think the biggest frustration is that I feel when you have children that they should be the priority. You know, they now go above everything else in your life. And my husband just doesn't feel that way. He says that he is, and he says that it's the priority, but, you know, actions speak louder than words. And I almost feel like a single mom 90% of the time. I'm the one taking my son to school and soccer practices and games. And then our daughter, who's 15 months old, it's like she comes home from daycare and she's all mine. I'm bathing her. I'm feeding her. I'm taking her to the grocery store, you know, and anytime I bring it up, it turns into an argument. I think he gets very, very defensive and immediately like spews this laundry list of things that he's done. You know, well, I drop her off at daycare in the morning. I spent time with so-and-so outside in the backyard. And the reality is, and everybody sees it but me. I mean, I'd like to think I'm not crazy, but our friends, our family, it's always the running joke that I'm the single mom. He just isn't involved. I guess that's the easiest way to say that. And I love him. I care very much about him. We've been together for a long time, but I'm getting to the point now where it's like, if I'm going to be a single mom, maybe I should just be a single mom. And how do I communicate that to him without it starting as an argument? When I read your letter, and I don't want to jump to conclusions, but it sounded like you were questioning whether you should be in this relationship. Yeah. When I say like divorce, where is that on the scale for you? You know, that's the tough part because it's on my mind. Okay. But I also grew up in a family that's very conservative. I had a sister that got divorced and you would think that she just committed a crime for oh, the last 10 I'm years. I'm sorry. I mean, the family that we came from are the ones that will be together, whether or not they love each other for the rest of their lives. That's just how it is. And I hate to say that that would be the reason I would stay in the marriage, but it's there. It's in the back of my head. Well, it sounds like this is something that's gone on for quite a long time. Yeah. I mean, our son is seven. Right. And he took the reins in the beginning. I will give him credit. When we had my son, I traveled a lot for work and I was constantly in California and Washington and all these other places where he did have to take the brunt of it. But I quit that job because it was becoming such an issue of arguing on the weekends. 
that I was like, I can't travel anymore. You know, I can't do this because we fight constantly. Does he bring that up now? Sometimes, but I think as of late, it's usually that's sort of in the past. Now it's, well, let me tell you everything that I've done. You know, I did their laundry the other day. Hey, when you took our son to soccer practice, I had to watch our daughter. I took them on vacation to Michigan for 10 days. And when I came back, I made the joke. I was like, okay, they're all yours. And my husband's response was, you're the one that chose to take them for 10 days. Why do I have to watch them now? Did you miss him when you were gone? I didn't at all. And that's what I think scared me. In fact, I feel like the minute I got off the plane, my mood went from happy to just like automatically in that defensive, irritated zone. And I think the selfishness doesn't even lie in with just our children. He'll go to the grocery store and won't bother to ask if we need anything. He'll just buy what he needs. What does he do? I mean, you don't have to tell me what he does, but does he work a lot? It's a nine to five job. He's in property management. But the bigger side of that is he is a huge history buff. He's been heavily involved with politics his whole life. So it's a wonderful time to be married to somebody who's passionate about politics. Oh, God. Yeah. And so I think the reason it didn't bother me so much is we had never intended to have children. I was told I couldn't have them. That wasn't on our radar. I had my kids pretty late in life, like 34 was the first one. And then my daughter at 40. So it didn't matter to me because it was like, he can go off and do his thing. I can go off and do my stuff and it's fine. But now you've got these two little ones in the mix and my life's been put on pause because I have to take care of them. How come his life isn't the same? And you guys must have this same argument over and over. Over and over. I mean, I can make a compliment like, hey, thank you so much for allowing me to sleep in on Saturday. And he will take that as I'm being sarcastic because he spent time with our kids. And it's not that. I'm just acknowledging, like, I appreciate it. Both of your defenses are high. Really high. Oh, man. And it's almost like... Even if you could drag him to therapy, are you just doing the same argument in front of somebody? Right. And we went to therapy a few years back. I want to say when my son was like four or five, because I just was getting really frustrated. It was this issue and a bunch of other things that kind of culminated. And you're absolutely right. You know, our therapist said, I feel like all you guys are doing is just creating checklists of who's done what and who's done more. And she's right. What worries me about this situation, I mean, having a 15-month-old, that is like the prime time for strain on a relationship. Yeah. But what I hear from you is a lot of misery. Yeah. A lot of burden. I'm just exhausted. How could you not be? I feel like everything is my responsibility. You know, I'm handling the doctor's appointments and the dentist appointments and when he's got to go to birthday parties and I'm just exhausted. When do I get time for me? Like, when can I go out and do something or have a hobby? He really is not loving you with consideration. And it sounds like that's been going on for a long time. Yeah. And I don't know how malleable that person is now. As you chew along what your next steps are going to be, whether it is to stay in this marriage or whether it is to leave. I wish I could remove your family members. I know. I grew up in pretty much an atheist household, and I still have the guilt 
Yeah. <laughs> I feel that. I feel that the guilt and judgment. But this isn't their lives. Right. And they are your family. You guys are close. They will support you. You have somebody who went before you in your sister. If you are thinking more and more about this, are you close with her, your sister? Yeah, she actually lives here now in the same area. Okay. <laughs> I would utilize this. I guess the like interesting situation on that is, yes, she lives here, but she is dating my husband's best friend. <gasps> Bridget, this is where you take over. <laughs> oh my gosh, my mind just went... <laughs> I mean, the more I listen, the more my thoughts are changing, but I'll kind of show you my progression. When you were first telling me that the kids are the number one priority, I was thinking to myself, maybe not that the kids shouldn't be the number one priority, but maybe like one day a week or one night a week or something, your relationship should be the priority. I couldn't agree with you more. Everybody's happier if the mom and dad are happy. You know, like mm -hmm. I remember even just growing up, if mom and dad were fighting, oh. it just felt like tensions and horrible in the house. So if mom and dad have a good loving relationship or are having fun together or in good moods, it changes the whole dynamic of everything. So that was my first thought. Yep. But then when you said that you went away for 10 days and you didn't miss him and you didn't even want to think about him and when you came home, your whole dynamic changed and you were like dreading going home and everything, then that made me think, well, maybe there's not that still there. But maybe what you need to do is try and see if it's still there. I don't know if your sister or your parents or somebody can take the kids even for a night or a day, yeah, a weekend, yeah, see if there's still that connection there, that's still that love, if you guys can have that spark at all. Right. And if it's just not and you're just fighting and it's just bad and you've already tried therapy, which is going to be my next thought, maybe you guys need to talk it out with somebody who can kind of play referee. But since you've already done that too, then I feel like if that spark is just not there anymore, it's not healthy for anybody to stay in that kind right. of relationship. It's not healthy for your kids. It's not even healthy for the family that wants you to stay together. Like it's not healthy mm -hmm. for them to see that. It's not healthy for their grandkids and nieces and nephews. And so I feel like you have to do what makes you happy. I love that advice, Bridget. Is he the kind of person that if you said, hey, my sister's taking the kids this weekend and I want us to go away, how would he take that? Would he actually do it? I think that he would be open to it. Okay. As long as he doesn't have something else going on. I mean, going back to the politics, we have a sitter that comes every Wednesday and she's here just to like give us a break. But we never do anything together. Like I go off and do my things and he goes off and he does his things. It's not like, hey, we have the night off. Let's go to dinner. And the few times that I suggested that, he's like, great, let's go to this place because so-and-so is going to be here. I'm like, why? So you can talk politics the whole night and I'm just drinking martinis by myself? I actually don't think it's the worst idea to talk to your sister. Okay. Have you guys thrown around divorce in arguments? Yeah, and then he basically like called me out at one point and was like, I'm sick of you threatening with divorce. You know, that's not fair. If you want to do it, then go do it. But like, I'm done with that kind of empty threat. And his fight is, you know, I can't even communicate with you anytime I try to tell you something. And the reason he can't communicate with me is because he constantly wants to tell me how to raise our son or what I'm doing wrong with our daughter. And it takes everything in me to be like, you have no say because you Man. are involved. And I appreciate you giving me this feedback, but it means nothing coming from you because you're not around. And part of me agrees with Bridget. When we did counseling, we weren't super into it. We went to like two or three sessions. I don't think either one of us was really like that big on our therapist. 
So part of me is like, you know, maybe if we find somebody that we like, yeah, it might help open us up more. If you're like hovering in like a 60-40 area, 60 being like, I want to stay in the marriage and 40 being like, I want to get out of this marriage. I'd probably reverse it. Okay. All right. (laughs) At least how I feel right now. You know, our biggest issue has always been communication. You know, he says I communicate too much. He doesn't communicate enough. Yeah. It sounds like you guys are terrible at communicating. Horrible. And it sucks when he misinterprets like the example you gave earlier then that is definitely proof how much you guys have argued. And I'm to blame too, because I immediately get on the defense when he says something. I like that Bridget brought up when, Renee, you first started talking, you said that you believe that children should be number one priority and your husband doesn't believe that at all. And that does feel fair for sure. But he's also not prioritizing the family, it sounds like, because he doesn't want to. Right. For some reason, it's not of interest to him right now. And on top of that, you know, you keep like laying down card after card Well, you did this and you did that and you did that. And that that is such a tough way to live. And I'm sorry. Well, and he's such a good debater. Oh, so he craves it. Oh, he craves it. Oh, I hate that. He loves a good fight. And I'm the middle child. So that should tell you plenty. I just back down. I roll over and I just like shut down. Then you store it. Yeah. So I really can't stress enough between like the quarantine and the political climate, how exacerbating all of those elements combined with a marriage that you guys have been together for a long time. So you've established patterns Mm -hmm. that may not be able to be broken. I don't know. That's my biggest fear is my husband hates change. Hates it. I mean, it was a huge thing when I had a dog and brought that in because we long distance dated for about a year. I was living in California and he was up here. And so it was a huge change for him to have the dog. And then we moved out of an apartment into a house and we've been in this house for nine years and we clearly need a bigger house because now we have two kids and like he is not wanting to move. It says a lot too that your family sees the same, like you were saying. There's a lot there. My mom sees it and I feel enough kind of based off of just what you said. Like I recognize that she would probably be more supportive than I even would expect. I bet you're right. Because she sees that I'm not happy. She sees how involved I am with the kids. That's wonderful. And I think you should call her. I was going to say that too. You should talk to her. Have an open conversation with her. Yeah. Yeah. Because if you have your mom's support or your parents' support, like that would be amazing to know that you have that. And whatever decision you decide to make, to know that they have your back. Yeah. And I would open the conversation with mom. I'm just really unhappy in this marriage. I feel really bad. I don't feel loved. You know, I don't feel taken care of. I don't feel supported. And it's been really hard. And I'm not sure he can change without so much of my own generosity that it'll make me feel so bad. Like instead of loading it top end with divorce. Yeah. Just so she knows exactly where you're going. I'm just saying reiterate it before you bring up that word. Yeah. And you might not be, you know, you have to kind of gauge that within yourself. Right. I always think that really big decisions start out as these little like germs that like eventually start to take root and suddenly they're there. And it usually happens over a significant period of time. I also don't think it's the worst thing if you feel close to your sister and you tell her that you're really unhappy and you've been 
really thinking a lot about divorce, which may or may not be the case. I don't know, Renee. So No, it's a lot. I mean, it's more than what I feel is healthy at this point. You don't have to make the decision tonight. Right. There's no judgment here. In fact, I felt like I perceived incorrectly a lot of guilt with like judgment from my two divorces. And I was embarrassed and defensive. I was always like, well, this is what happened. No, that's how I feel. It's its own wonderful journey. Yeah. (laughs) But you are the focal point here. This life is yours. And he'll be in denial, you know. Men are always surprised. Do you not see how shitty this is? And I told you, change, or I was going to be out the door. And that was five years ago. Right. Well, and he responds well to threats because I literally walked out of the house back during the couples therapy years when my son was little and I didn't come home for three days. And then what happened? He kissed my ass for the next like two, three months. I mean, worship the ground I walked on. So maybe he does have some love to give somewhere in there. You know, we read that five love languages book before. He is very into the words of affirmation. You have to constantly tell him that you love him and you care about him and you're proud of this and you're proud of that. I'm not that way. I could care less what you have to say to me. It's the actions speak louder than words. But yet he continually is like, I love you. You're beautiful. I love that. I'm like, you know. (laughs) Yeah. Well, this gives me pause a little bit hearing that he has some potential to be loving. Well, you know, there's a space between divorce and marriage, too. And that's just like a separation. Yeah. And I think we're in that space right now. We sleep in separate bedrooms. Mm. Oh, how long has that happened? We do it because when I was pregnant with my daughter, I was getting super nauseous. And so my son started like getting into bed with my husband. But that's been over and done with now for a year, even with our daughter. We've just not bothered to correct it. Would you want to ask him like, hey, can we start sleeping in the same bed? But it sounds like you don't want that. I'd like my bed back. I just don't really care if he's in it, I guess. (laughs) That answers a lot of questions. (laughs) Yeah. I know. I appreciate you guys because I think up until now, I haven't really had anybody I felt safe talking to about this. Is that because the stigma? Well, I think you have your friends that want to constantly like, you guys will get through it, do this, do that. Because like anybody's out in public, we're a different couple. We're happy and you wouldn't imagine that this is going on because I play the role of being the loving wife and he plays the good father role. And I think it's gotten to a point where there's people in my life and friends that I have that it would be so exhausting to have to go through and explain where this all started. It's not worth it at this point in my life. I'm like, oh, I don't want to start over and tell somebody all over again. You don't need to. Yeah. You just need friends that love you and support you. That's your story. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like I said, there's no pressure to make any decision. Right. I would lean on your mom and your sister. They might surprise you. I mean, you said they've seen it and they've made comments on it. So they might surprise you and be like, I can't believe you waited this long. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Who knows? Yeah, you're right. Uh... Man, I'm really appreciative that you called. When I was going through similar issues, I never talked to anybody. Yeah. And I wish I had because I could have used the support. (laughs) Thank you guys so much. I'm so grateful that you read my letter and responded. And you guys have been awesome. Thank you so much. I love you both. I love you too. I appreciate it. Thank you. Love you. (laughs) Have a good day, you guys. Bye, Renee. Bye. 
Bridget, can I be on your podcast? The one with Holly? Oh, we should definitely have you on. I would love to talk about your experience at the mansion and all that good stuff. Girls next level, I want to come on. (laughs) It was so nice seeing you again, Bridget. Thank you for doing this. Yeah, thanks for having me. Bye, Bridget. Bye-bye.